It's so good to be with you this morning, it really is. It's a, a miracle for me to stand here because only a year ago we were told by the doctors that they didn't know whether I'd pull through. My wife and I were told by a doctor that uh, I'd just been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer and uh, I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. I want to speak over the church for a moment or two. Thanks, guys. Sorry, I should have said something. <laughs> Bless you. Just don't go out for lunch yet, okay? You stay, yeah. So to stand here this morning is, is just so, I'm so grateful. And every day is a gift. It's amazing what doesn't bother you anymore when you get a diagnosis like that. I used to get really upset if you scratched my car. <laughs> now you scratch my car, I don't care. Well, I do care a little bit, but you know. The things that don't matter, what you wear, if you've got hair, you know, just none of it matters. Someone said to me the other day, he said, how are you feeling these days? I said, oh, like a brand new baby. And they go, really? I said, yeah, no hair, no teeth, and I think I just wet my pants. So I think I'm doing okay. But, you know, I, uh, you know if I was a horse, they'd probably shoot me some days because, you know, you wake up with pain every day and, and, uh, and in that pain you still serve God. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a moment, how we are all to live called. We're not called to a ministry. We're called to live called. Every one of us is called to live called for Jesus. And so whether you have a pulpit or whether you have a platform, there is a difference. I don't need a pulpit, but I do need a platform to represent who Jesus is in my life. And I'm going to share some of that with you. And I pray that you'll be able to take it home and apply it to your own life. But uh, it is a privilege to be here. Thank you for your prayers. I mean, 2.16, our son went to heaven. And I'd like to say that that gets getting easier, but it's not. As I watch his children grow up without their dad and I see the similarities in their personality and their behaviour and their looks, my heart breaks And yet my heart also embraces that God is good. He's good all the time. I wish I had time to share all the scriptures that we don't often preach from about how God in the midst of the pain can be there. I'm writing a book called Singing in the Pain at the moment and you can still sing in the pain. And I pray that I'll be able to share with you something that isn't just for me, but it's for all of us as we move forward. But I also want to speak into the life of this church. I don't want to waste a day in God. I want to be able to be fruitful Uh, It's not well done, good and famous servant. It's well done, good and faithful. And I want to be full of faith today as I impart to you. I want to say as I walked in today and we started to worship, all I can think of was clean atmosphere. Clean atmosphere. I just sensed a clean atmosphere. And my mind went back to a time in our church when I was still pastoring Edge Church where um, one night I had a dream and it was like a, a massive water pipe. And the pipe was huge, but the water was just trickling. And it was just trickling. And I felt I'd gone through a season as a pastor and a leader where we were just treading water. We were just doing okay. We were maintaining. But, you know, there was more and I didn't know how to find that more. And then all of a sudden in the dream, I saw this gushing water flowing out of the pipe like with force. And I felt the Holy Spirit said, when I clean the pipes... See, the pipe looks the same from the outside, but the inside of the pipe can be a little corroded sometimes, and so the water gets held back and it just drips. And then God, from time to time in my personal life, in your personal life, he comes and cleans the pipes. And as he cleans, the water then comes gushing out. And he says, you're going to go into a new place of momentum. How do you go from just dripping away and then all of a sudden there's a momentum and a gush that comes? And so as I've been praying for this house, 
And I can honestly say before Jesus, I haven't been given information. I've asked the team, the elders, don't tell me anything. And not that I've got anything so profound. I just want to amen. I believe what the Holy Spirit is saying to the house. And, and I was sitting with Margot and uh, with Marty the other night. And I said, you know, do you realize in the Bible that multiplication always comes after subtraction? If you look at Bible mathematics, you look at the early church, persecution, attacks, thrown into prison, and the church multiplies. How do you go from subtraction to multiplication? But in the economy of God, in all our lives, not just at Generation City Church, there are seasons that we go through where God allows certain things to be, uh, I use this terminology, it's not trying to be smart, it's the truth. Sift, shift, and lift. God will always sift to shift to lift. And I've seen it over my life. I've seen it in my personal life. If you say to me, how did your cancer journey go? I say things like, this has been one of the most incredible times in my life with God. Really? With cancer? People used to say that to me. And I go, you're just talking yourself into something. But I can tell you this morning, and I'll share a little bit of my story of what happens when you're in the darkest of places. And it seems like all the things spoken over your life get subtracted from your life. I've had prophecy after prophecy over where God was going to take me after I handed the church over and my son dies. And then I have bowel cancer. Well, they thought it was bowel cancer. And then I get cancer. Uh, don't think those prophecies were from God. Well, a year down the track now, I know they all were. And so God doesn't work A, B, C, D, E, F. Sometimes it's A, Z, P, L, O. And you think, where on earth are we going? And then all of a sudden you land and you go, this is everything God had spoken about. And I want to prophesy over this house today that I believe there is uh, multiplication anointing. That's not always bottoms on seats. It can mean that. But there's a multiplication anointing of influence. As I'm watching what you're doing with the farmers and all that, a church can be massive and have no influence. And it can be a community and have massive influence. And I believe that momentum comes from subtraction, not from addition. And so don't believe for bits of addition. Start to believe for multiplication. That's the word that I believe I have for you this morning. I also got up early this morning and wrote this down. God wants to release this house into a new era, not a season. Sorry? Is that what David McCracken said? Thank you, Jesus. I thought you got it right. <laughs> he wants to release you into a new era, not a new season. And you see, um, seasons come with agreement, but a new era comes with partnership. And it comes with covenant, not contract. A lot of Christians want to do deals. But I want to tell you, when God brings people together in covenant and we operate in a spirit of partnership, there's a multiplication anointing that is released. And I said to God this morning, what are you wanting to do with Generations Church? He said, I have new opportunities, I have new discovery and a clearer definition. Now, I can't come up with that sort of stuff. So I believe God's bringing new opportunities. It might be this thing with the fire. Who knows what it is? I'm not going to interpret it. You'll know. But opportunities of serving God with a clean spirit. God wants clean churches, not perfect churches, but God wants us to be broken but open. We're all broken. We've all got stuff. We've all been through stuff. And God is sick and tired of churches that pretend everything's okay. 
God would rather us broken but open than broken and shut and pretending we've got it all together. And I believe what happened last night here was not a coincidence. There is something happening with mental illness all over the world right now. It is huge and the church should be at the forefront of embracing the broken with mental illness and we should be able to have a God that can break through into those situations. If a guy in a, in a cemetery, a demoniac who's in chains can be set free by Jesus and in his right mind and sent out as the first missionary in the New Testament. There's hope for mental illness in Australia right now if we let God step into the situation. But we need a church that is honest, even when we're broken. And so I wrote down here, multiplication comes after subtraction. Now, I hope you get this, but I was flying into Devonport. I'm in a different church every Sunday in another church that I have a relationship with just like this one on Sunday. And as I'm coming on Saturday, as I'm coming into land, the Holy Spirit, I believe, dropped this into my heart. Pentecostals and charismatics, I mean charismatics, often chase moments. We go from moment to another moment. We chase the revival over here and the revival over there and the revival over there. And God spoke to me. I've never heard this before in my life. He said, if you don't get into movement, you'll waste the moments. Every Christian is supposed to be in everyday movement, walking with God in obedience and then there are moments. And those moments add to our movement and bring about momentum. And a lot of people just look for the power or the anointing from moment to moment or from moment to moment rather than being in obedient movement. And as we walk in obedience to God every day in movement, we have the moments. And I, I can tell you, I'm going to share a few moments with you in a moment, but if I hadn't married Jesus all those years ago and said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, I'm not divorcing you, Jesus, no matter what happens. I remember when the call of God came on my life for, for ministry in church world. And I said, God, you can have everything you want from me, but don't take one of my children. Ten minutes later, I went back to God. I said, I'm sorry. Lord, I can't give you conditional allegiance. It's for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, whatever. Now, God didn't take Chris. This broken planet took Chris, and he's in heaven today. But if you would have told me in 216 that I would pray for over 2,000 people that have lost their children, that I would minister to the unchurched in our city in a way like never before. If, I would, if, if you'd told me that, I'd go, no way. That couldn't possibly happen. The pain is too deep. In 2018, being diagnosed by cancer and then being told, will you speak for the Leukemia Foundation? Because you have a hope that we haven't seen before. Uh, this is doctors telling me this. This is nurses saying, you've got to keep doing what you're doing. Not people that go to church. And realised that I hardly got to church for a year. I'm in a hospital bed. And nearly every day God gives me a platform, even though I'm not in a pulpit. And that's how I got the message, living called. That we're all, as Christians, called to live called. And I believe as a church, there's a redefining coming. There's a definition coming like you've never seen before. There's new discoveries and opportunity, but it all requires a spirit of partnership. And I just want to encourage you today that, you know, we can say things like the best is yet to come and I can come here and patronise you. But let me tell you, 
The couple that lead this house right now were called by God to lead this house. And when God calls you, he doesn't call you so he can make a spectacle of you. He calls you because he wants to use you. But there is often times of subtraction before multiplication. Losing a son was a massive subtraction from our lives. The pain is very, very deep. But I had no idea that God would open the door for me to minister to people that I never thought I would ever get to. There's a, a restaurant in Adelaide called La Cucina. It's an Italian restaurant in North Adelaide. The owner is a guy called Nick, uh, sorry, Peter Niuta. And Peter owns this restaurant. And when Chris passed away, the evening of the funeral, all the pastors that had flown in, I think you might have been there too. I'm not sure. Were you there that night? Had a dinner at this restaurant just to be together, grieve together. I didn't show up for a while because I thought I'd cry so much. But I showed up a little later and there's Peter walking around serving all you guys in that upstairs room in the restaurant. And so uh, that was just what happened. And then when I came out of hospital in one of my trips having chemo, I'm at home and I get a phone call. Hey, Danny, it's Peter. I go, Peter who? He said, Peter Niuta from La Cucina Restaurant. He said, I've just been diagnosed with stage four cancer. I've been told that it's terminal. And I'm not going to survive. He says to me, you know, Danny, when your son passed away and you gathered those ministers at my restaurant, I was listening to the conversation. And I'm listening to the conversation and it was amazing what I heard. And I need help right now to have that hope. Can I come and see you? I said, where do you live, Peter? Two streets away from my house. Had no idea where he lived. He turns up at my house and, uh, and he's got cancer fairly severe and he says to me can we just go for a coffee somewhere locally I need to talk to you we go for a coffee and sitting in the car before we get out of the car he says Danny how many Hail Marys do I have to do (laughs) to connect with God because I heard you guys and I want what you've got and so I said Peter you don't have to do any Hail Marys but you can if you want to but I'll teach you how to talk to God he goes will you Next morning, I get his first prayer. Let me read it to you. Hi, Danny. Hope you're well. I'm going to start today with a prayer for both of us and others that are not well. Remember, today is a new day with new babies being born. We are glad, Lord, we will see another day. Give us strength and give strength to our wives that look after us. And remember, Lord, our wives are beautiful angels that we love. Thank you, Lord, for the birds we hear outside. May today be a great day. That was Peter's first prayer. I rang him yesterday. He's not got long to go. I'm in Perth last week or the week before last with Pastor Jeff Woodward. Three o'clock in the morning, I bolt up in bed and I start bawling my eyes out for Peter. I start interceding for Peter and I'm going, God. And the voice of the Holy Spirit said, you need to get him a Bible. And you need to sit down and teach him the word of God. On a regular basis. I said, God, I will. I'll get one soon as I get home. About five in the morning, I'm out in the back room still sobbing and interceding. Pastor Jeff walks out. My wife was with me on this trip. And he goes, have you and Sharon had a fight? Because I'd walked out of the bedroom bawling, you know. Yeah, yeah. She said, you know. (laughs) Sorry, I better not crack jokes at this time. But uh, they come. They just come, you know. And so... um, you know, um, get out from under that bed and fight like a man. But anyway, no, it wasn't like that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, my husband's on his hands and knees before me. <laughs> Get out from under that bed and fight like a man. And so I'm still crying and just going, are you okay? I said, God's just woken me up about Peter, my friend. And so what happens is about an hour and a half, two hours later, I get a phone call. Hi, Danny. It's Peter here. Can hardly talk. Will you please get me a Bible? So was that a platform? It wasn't a pulpit, but it was a platform. And I can tell you story after story. I'll tell you a couple more and then we'll give you some points just that you think he does have a message. But um, So 2016, Chris passes away. 2017, bowel surgery. 218, cancer. I mean, have you had one of those months or years or periods of time? And I remember when I was told that I had cancer, it took him about eight days after a bone marrow test to discover what it was. My room at the hospital seemed to go from, not that there was a lot of colour there, but it seemed to go very black and white. Everything went dark. And I just sat there and I'm thinking of my grandchildren and thinking they don't need to suffer anymore. And I wasn't thinking of myself, but I'm thinking of Sharon having to go through not just losing her son, now losing her husband. And, all, and I'm sitting there for about 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes at the most. And then all of a sudden, I promise you this morning, three things happened. The first two immediately a peace came into the room. It was a peace I cannot describe. It was a peace that I'd been preaching about just before I went into hospital about living from eternity, that we don't live for eternity, we live from eternity, and that peace that passes all understanding, the rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice is a rechoice. Rechoice in the Lord every day. I choose every day to stay in the presence of God. But that filled my room. And I felt this peace, tears started to run, not out of sadness, I'm going to die. I was able to look at the enemy and say, I don't care what you do, I'm not scared of death. And I said, God, I'm happy to come. If this is my time, my son's already gone, I am not afraid of death. Lord, I'm ready to come. It's all good. But I do believe that you've put something in my heart that's not finished yet. And so God, I have your peace. I have your presence, but I had the sense of purpose. So I've got the chemotherapy going into my veins within a couple of days and I did my own commentary on the book of Acts while I'm in hospital, chapter by chapter by chapter. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to me about the body of Christ, the very call that he's put on my life in this season of my life. And I thought, how does God download all that when I'm going to die? And it was like this peace, this presence, And the sense of his purpose filled my life. So I'm there in hospital, tubes in my arms, 24 blood units, transfusion after transfusion after transfusion, having been spoken to about life support and whether they would switch it off to my wife and I, which they have to do, and that moment we weren't prepared for. And yet in the midst of it, I'm sitting there and a guy walks in to bring the food now, hospital food, you've you got to have more than grace to, to eat that stuff. But anyway, he comes in with the food and he says to me, you're Pastor Danny, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. He said, I used to be in your youth group 30 years ago. He goes, my life is totally stuffed up, but he didn't use the word stuff. <laughs> he said, I'm a total mess. I'm addicted to pornography. I'm addicted to this. I'm in bed with tubes in my arms. I mean, this isn't the counselling room. (laughs) I'm about to eat deadly things that I'm not sure I'll recover from. And he's got the food tray in his hand. And he's going, there's no hope for me, is there? 
I love Jesus, but I'm scared of the church. And he's pouring his heart out. And I start ministering to him from the hospital bed. After that, the surgeon comes in. He sits down, the one that operated on my stomach, the, 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 uh, the, the, the top guy in Adelaide for robotic surgery. And he's in my room and he goes, did God speak to you? Can I talk to you? He sits down. Did God speak to you about your son dying? Did God speak to him and prepare him? And he's talking to me. I said, look, I don't know, but I'm going to show you the last message my son was about to preach the day he, got, the day he died. And I showed it to him on my phone in tears. He's a surgeon. He goes, my dad just passed away. My mum lives in another country and I'm going to go over to see her. I want to be able to give her some hope. And he goes, will you pray for me? He said, do you pray for me? He said to me, I said, I do. I also tell jokes about you. I said, when I preach, I tell jokes about, you know, can I play the piano after the operation? And, you know, you've heard it before. And he goes, of course you can. We're operating on your stomach. I said, no, can I play the piano? And he goes, yes, you can. I said, well, that's good because I couldn't play it before. So, you know, I've shared that one with you before. But, and so I'm telling him the joke and he's laughing and tears and comes in the next day on the way to the airport to go and see his mum. He comes and stops at the hospital. Don't forget to pray for me. And I'm laying there and I'm thinking, who needs a pulpit? When God gives you a platform because we're living called. And that happened time after time after time. So I get a phone call. So what happened is I was invited to preach in Christchurch and to preach at a pastor's conference. And the person who invited me, Pastor Tark Barner from Auckland, got a very large church in Auckland. He said, we really believe you're the guy. I really believed I had a message. So I prepare the message and then I go into hospital. I had to cancel going to the conference. How does that work? I thought God gave me a message. And so I'm in hospital one day and he rings me from New Zealand. He goes, Danny, we've got a request for you. We just feel this is God. Could you record your sermon in the hospital and send it to us and we'll show it at the conference? I said, in my pyjamas? I said, I don't have any good clothes here at the hospital. I said, as long as they film from the top up, from the middle up. I said to the hospital, can I use your chapel? They said, go for it. I get a cameraman from Edge Church to come down with his camera and said, could you film me while I preach? So we walk into the chapel. There's nobody there. It's an empty chapel. There's me and the cameraman. And as I start to preach, I get words of knowledge. And I said, there's somebody watching me by video here. And I just want you to know God is saying this to you. You're going through this. You're going through it. And then I'm bawling. The cameraman starts bawling. The presence of God is filling the room. There's me in my bottom pyjamas and my top looking sort of godly, and, 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 and nobody else in the room. And I go, this looks ridiculous. So I film it and send it off, and I ring the pastor. I said, Pastor Tark, the anointing in an empty room was unbelievable. We ought to try it more often. It was, no, but nobody can criticise your sermon. There's nobody there, at least on the day. And I'm preaching away, and the anointing of God that came... And he goes, well, Danny, that's great. Send it to us. And then two days later, the massacre in Christchurch happens. So the massacre happens in Christchurch and they have to cancel the conference. Now, you think, God gave me a message. I had words of knowledge. You know, I couldn't go when I said yes because I'm in hospital. I record it and send it and it gets cancelled. So you think that's a little bit A-Z-K-L-O-P all over the place. That doesn't look like the will of God. And he goes, Danny, we don't understand it, but because of the massacre, we've had to cancel. Okay. And then I'm thinking, is my whole life 
deceived? Is all this stuff really not true? Because I've always lived my life like this, trusting God with my life every day. And so I just let it go. When you don't know, you just let it go. And then about a couple of weeks ago, I get a phone call. Hey, Danny, you're not going to believe this, but God's spoken to us to go back to Christchurch after the event and put on a free conference for the pastors there. And as we put on this conference, we're going to open the conference with your message. And so the conference starts. They put on the video after the Christchurch massacre and the words of knowledge all lined up with what was happening in Christchurch at that time. And God got his work done. And I'm getting text messages from New Zealand while they're showing it, saying the anointing in the room right now is so powerful. We're watching you on screen. Now, I'm not saying that to be self-serving, please. I'm saying it to say we have to trust God when there's no clarity. We have to trust God that if he's put a word in your heart, if he's put a vision in your church, that sometimes it won't look like addition multiplication sometimes it's subtraction multiplication and it goes all over the shop but we get to where God wants us to get to so a year before I've got lots of stories are you okay with this because I will give you some points in a moment that you can go home with but anyway because I want you to take it home but you know a year before I got invited to Zurich now I was in Perth I'm talking to Jared Keehan, Pastor Jared Keehan in Perth. And I said, you know, Jared, I don't know if God still wants me to go to Europe. You know, we've been through a lot with losing Chris and everything. It's a long flight. And maybe I'm just called to serve Australia and New Zealand. And, and while we're talking, I get a text message from Zurich. Pastor Danny, we feel God's told us you've got to come and speak at our conference. In Zurich, 4,000 people booked in. And I've only met this guy once. I don't even know him. And I go, I guess God wants me to go to Europe. And so I said yes, and then I got cancer. And then I had to say no. I said, I can't come. I'm sorry. They said, well, Danny, just keep it in the diary for next year because we believe you're going to come through cancer and we're still going to believe you're going to come. So wind back the, wind the, the clock forward to just about five weeks ago. I am so sick, I've got a viral infection. Then I picked up a bacterial infection and I am as sick as a dog and... I'm at the shopping centre to buy a new suitcase with my wife and daughter and I start bawling my eyes out. And she's going, don't go, Danny, don't go, please don't go. It's tomorrow morning, Sharon, I've got to go. I know God wants me to go even if I die in the sky. I said, I just have to obey God. That could be a good song, Die in the Sky. <laughs> yeah, that, that could make a good tune, that one. But anyway, I get to Zurich. I'm a total mess. They had to put me in hospital. I arrive in Zurich. And the pastor meets me and he goes, Danny, you're not going to believe this. He goes, two days ago, our worship pastor dropped dead. 35 years old. Little baby. She knew she was going. She'd had cancer, then it gone into remission and then she got it again. And she knew that she had done her job on earth. She wrote a song just before she passed away, which I'm just going to show you in a second if you can get that ready for me. But we have never been taught how to handle suffering. We've never been taught how to handle loss. Will you forget the sermons you were going to preach on and you just happen to be here at exactly the same time that this has happened, having lost your son, dealing with cancer yourself, and this is what happens, that you're here not when we booked you last year, but this year I rang my wife and I got back to the hotel. I said, Sharon, I know why I had to come. And I told her the story. She couldn't believe it. Can I put the picture up at this point of this young lady... 
And if I can move over here and just read the words. So this young lady's 35 years old. And it says, when my chapter is done and my work, my torch is passed on. And if my days, and my days are all spent, when, that look, when they look at me, I want them to see that my heart is like your heart in the end. Just before she passed away. So for two days I was able to minister hope in the midst of pain. Pentecostals don't have a good theology for pain. And so we need to understand that while we don't always understand pain and why we go through it, God began to take me through all the scriptures we very rarely preach about. You know, in the book of James, when you're... Any kind of trial comes your way. This is a chance for joy because your endurance has a chance to grow. And when your endurance is fully grown, you'll be in need of nothing. Do you know what it's like to get to a place where you're not scared of death, you're not scared of cancer, you're not scared of whatever the devil may want to bring into your mind about what you're going through? And I don't even try to work out, is this God, is this the devil? It doesn't matter. It's happening right now. And in the midst of my pain, I'm going to make my endurance grow. And when it's fully grown, I have need of nothing. And it's says, and if you ask God for wisdom, he will give it to you for a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You see, that is in the context of trials. When we are going through trials, we need wisdom on how to handle those trials. So right now, I am ministering to more unchurched people than ever in my life in the midst of my trial because the world don't want to see that you get it all happening good for you all the time. They want to know how you handle the tough times and the pain and whether your faith is real. And so there's a guy called, um, you've, you've heard me talk about him, Scott McBain, radio announcer in Adelaide, who's not come to the Lord after many years and me spending time with him. He's watching me on Instagram. He's following the story of my cancer. He's freaked out. Two weeks ago, he has an accident and shoots himself. And the bullet goes through his body and misses every major organ and comes out this other side. And he ends up at my house the night before I came here in the morning, I wake up praying for him, not knowing why. I said to Sharon, I'm praying for Scott right now. I wonder what's happening. He rings me an hour or two later, can I come over? And comes over fatigued the night before I come in and tells me about how he's been shot. And he goes, somebody must have been protecting me. And maybe, Danny, it is a God incidence because I've been talking to him about God incidents. And he goes, but the thing that gets me the most is how you still have a faith, losing your son, going through cancer, and it seems like your message hasn't changed. You believe the same way you always did. And that's freaking me out. <laughs> and I was able to minister to him in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the pain. But you see, when I gave my life to Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, I gave it to him because he called me. He calls us as Christians. And in Psalm 40, verse 8, it says, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. That's true Christianity. Not living for position, not looking for opportunity, but just every day when you get out of bed, go, I'm living called. God has called me. And today, whatever comes my way, I said before, I never got to church for a year. And yet, I've never been closer to God, not because I didn't go to church, because I wanted to. I went occasionally because I was too sick. But I want to tell you, my friends, Jesus never left me because I'm walking with God, not working for God. You walk with God. And so it's an absolute pleasure, pleasure and privilege to live called. Are you living called? It's amazing what happens when you get hold of a cause. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 29, when David's brothers attack him from going out to meet them in the field of battle. 
And David comes and, and they are picking on him. What are you doing here? Then we won't go into the story. But he just stopped and goes, is there not a cause? And you see, Christianity is not something we do on Sunday. Christianity is a worldview. Christianity is a worldview and it's a cause that we don't get hold of. It's a cause that gets hold of us. The cause of God grabbed me. Ezekiel 37, it says, And then the Spirit of the Lord grabbed me and took me to a different place, a place of potential. And I want to say if the, what's happening in Australia in the last 10 years as I've been travelling a lot, but especially the last three or four, is disappointment grabs people. Discouragement grabs people. Disillusionment grabs people. Distractions grab people. That's why people are in church about once a month in Australia right now, and I think that's good enough because distractions grab people. It's funny when you get cancer how it all changes because then your focus is back on who is God. And people go, how many prayers do I have to do? How many Hail Marys? Because we've got this thing inside of us, I've got to get right with God. God's always loved us in our brokenness and when we're doing great and when we're doing bad. But I want to tell you, when the cause of Christ gets hold of you, it really works in your life through every season of your life. And David goes, is there not a cause? Do you know that much research has been done that shows that mental health improves when people get hold of a cause? Because we become outward rather than inward. And we overcome some of our mental issues when in the midst of our pain, we keep serving others. Where in the midst of our pain, we hold hands with... I can't watch an ad about kids' cancer. I have immunoglobulin every month in my arms at the hospital, even now. And I walk into that hospital and see little kids with cancer and see people suffering much worse than me. And the tears run down my face as compassion fills my heart because I understand the pain. And when we get hold of a cause of, and the cause gets hold of us, something happens that it's no longer about us. You see, when you get hold of a cause, you become passionate about that cause. Today, it's about climate change, vegans attacking meat eaters, our national anthem changing the words to young and free, to strong and free, freeing people from slavery, great cause, helping the farmers, great cause, Saving certain animals from extinction, great cause. Cancer research, great cause. But there's no greater cause than the cause. You know, people give first-class allegiance to second-class causes. And I believe today I want to encourage you as a church to embrace the cause. Again, with a beautiful heart of, oh, wow, we're going to get into momentum. We're going to see God multiply. You see, a cause gives you purpose. A cause makes you passionate. So people say to me, Danny, do you have a great vision for your life? No. Nah. Where are you going? I said, to lunch. <laughs> I'm an Italian. I'm having breakfast and I'm talking about what are we going to do for lunch? While I'm having lunch, what are we going to cook for dinner? You know, I, I, I don't have much vision in the sense that I plan everything 10 years in advance. But I've got something that's got hold of me, the cause of Christ. And as soon as revelation comes, I get my passion. Soon as revelation comes, I, I get passionate. I go, we've got to do this. We've got to build this because it's God initiated in your life. You see, a cause will position you with the right people. Why God shifts the kingdom around. You know, someone the other day put an Instagram up because their church has grown from 400 to 1,000. And what's happened is all the grumpy Christians, you know, that are angry with their churches have left to join this new one that started up in town. And he, the guy put somewhere in revival. So I rang him, I said, no, you're not. You're not in revival, you're in reshuffle. (laughs) 
And the kingdom of God is being reshuffled and the devil loves that. The devil loves the church being angry at each other because the more we fight each other, the more we're not going to change the world. And so what happens is we call it revival because there's more bums on seats. And do you think God's impressed with that? Give me a break. God's not impressed with that. But when God positions you with the right people, it doesn't have to be a massive crowd, but it's the right crowd because you're carrying the same purpose. You've got the same passion. Then you prioritise your world. And it prioritises around that calling that God has that on the house. You pay a price, but the pleasure is amazing of serving God. I'm watching Edge Church now after I've left five years ago. And I'm watching the call, the seed that God put in my heart 22 years ago go forward and move. There's some shifts, but the call is the same over the house. Because ladies and gentlemen, hear me carefully. Every Christian should live called. Every church leader should live called. And every congregation should live called. Those three have to work hand in hand. Every Christian should live with a sense, I'm on the planet called by God to represent him. We're ambassadors of Christ. By this shall all men know you're my disciples, by the way you love one another. So the devil goes, you know how we can stop evangelism? Let's upset the church. Let's get everybody in church angry. Let's get people fighting over each other. Let people accuse people of stuff that never happened. And the devil loves it. He, he waits for you to proclaim you want to build the kingdom and you want to live cold and watch all hell break loose for a while. But we need wisdom to understand, okay, what is our house called to be? What are we called to do as leaders? And I'm going to speak to some smaller group of leaders later today and say, don't just support a vision, partner with a vision. Because support means I'd do it different. I'll support, but I would do it different if I was doing it. And that's okay to some degree. But as I read my Bible, the spirit of the New Testament was they partnered together with the cause. They carried the same passion. They carried the same priorities. And they enjoyed the pleasure of breakthrough, but also paid the price of persecution. And we can do that. So let me just give you a few points on what called people look like. Let me give you just a a few quick points on the posture of the called. Because I want to tell you, if I never preach behind one of these ever again, I'm called. I don't care if I ever stand on a platform. Do you know how many pastors are not handing over churches because they're hanging on to their title? Do you know how different Pastor Danny was treated when he was no longer the senior pastor? It's amazing. Some people don't even want to talk to you anymore because you're not the top dog anymore. And you think, really? You know, because we still are human doings rather than human beings. And we judge people by what they do. What do you do? I'm a doctor. What do you do? So we, we value people by what they do. But we're not human doings. We're human beings. Do you know how many pastors go to conference and if they've only got a church of a couple of hundred and there's someone in the room that's with thousands of people in their church, those people get ignored because we're over with the real successful people over here. And God's about to put a stop to all that. He really is because Jesus will build his church, not ours. And he's going to build his church. The posture of the called is that, number one, we're consecrated. There's a consecration, which is about devotion. It's not duty or or obligation. It's devotion and revelation. When we are consecrated, we don't give God our head and our hands first. We give him our hearts. It starts with the heart. And I believe when we're consecrated, it's about heart, then head and hands. Number two, not only are we consecrated when we're called, we're committed through obedience. Abraham gets told to kill his son. Now, I know a lot of fathers, if God said, kill your son, they go, sure, no problems. 
How quickly do you want me to do it? Because Abraham in Genesis 22 said yes. Abraham, yes, Lord. Take your only son. Yes, Lord. And then he says to his son, son, we're going to get up early in the morning. The miracle's right there. You get a son up early in the morning, that's a miracle. Because they sleep till lunchtime. You come on, son, we're going to go and sacrifice and worship. Yes, dad. Can you imagine when there's a spirit of yes, because we're consecrated and we are committed. Consecration is about devotion from the heart. Commitment is about obedience. But when we have that, we have a clarity of the call. Number three, a clarity of the call through revelation and not reason. Too many people are speaking revelation language but living reason behaviour. And I want to tell you, my friends, God's about to change that. If God doesn't build the house, let's go home. If God doesn't build the house, I reckon you could be a reporter. Channel 7 would probably give you a job. You know what I love hearing from Marty and Margot yesterday? We were called here. God called us. Now, that's not a manipulation. We're called and stuff you if you don't like us. We're not going anywhere. Because people that are called will always make the best decision for the kingdom. I'll never make a decision on what's best for Danny. I'll only make a decision on what's best for the kingdom. And so we have a clarity of the call through revelation. I don't know if I've shared this with you before. Forgive me if I have. But remember when Jesus said to Peter, who do people say that I am? Who does everybody? See, we've got Christians that go to Yum Cha Church. They get a, you know, T.D. Jakes has this. Stephen Furtick has this. Bethel has this. You know, those things are good ads, but they're not good oars. But you know how many people respect those ministries but never listen to their pastor? They never listen to their local team that God's put them under. And I'm not saying that's happening here. Please understand, it's just a generic thing that I see right now. It's like people take a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of that. You know those people you're following on Instagram and everywhere else, do you know what their marriages are like? Do you know what their lives are like? It's okay for Benny Hinn now to come out and say he was wrong all those years. If you go on Instagram, he'll tell you. We watched it yesterday. Saying I was wrong about my prosperity doctrine. People being prayed for that were sick. And then you go and stay in $25,000 a night hotels going off in jets on the money of people that are sick. Look, I'm like a dad. I can speak like this, okay? God's not going to put up with that rubbish. But we got Christians listening to all that stuff and no idea of character. And the Bible says in Matthew 7, people said, we did this in your name. We did that in your name. We did that in your name. And he goes, go away. I never knew you. Why? Because what you did was unauthorised. That's what it means in that passage of Scripture. You had no relationship with me. Gifts are different than character. And friends, when we live called, we understand the call. We stay in the right connection. And not only do we uh, stay in that place, number four, we confess the call. The call of God on our lives becomes what we talk about. But Matthew, I forgot about that. Matthew, you know, he says, "Who, who do people say that I am? And there was not truth in what they said. Oh, some say John the Baptist, some say this, some say that, some say that. It's, but who do you say that I am? Because when Danny got cancer, it's not important what Marty says about things, as much as it is, because he's my friend. But if Danny doesn't have anything of his own, what can he hang on to when you get cancer? What does Danny say? So he says to Peter, what do you say, Pete? Because you're the son of the living God. And in the Message Bible, it says you didn't get that out of books. You didn't get that from Instagram. You didn't get that from Facebook. We need to get out of Facebook and into Facebook. That would make a big difference. And, uh, you know, and so what happens is uh, 
oh my Lord. He says, who do you say that I am? He goes, you're the Christ. He goes, you know what? Now that you've seen deity, who I am, I'm going to show you who you are. Peter, now you know me, I'm going to show you who you are. And he shows him his identity. Identity doesn't come from sexual preference. Identity coming from deity who God made you to be. And so you have that identity. Then he gives him his destiny. You're going to build my church. He goes, but not only am I going to give you destiny, I'm going to give you authority. The gates of hell won't prevail against you. Not only will you have authority, what you bind in heaven will be bound on earth and vice versa, you'll have victory. Now imagine if we live called knowing deity, having identity, knowing our destiny, having authority and living in victory. That's true Christianity. And I can promise you today in the middle of my cancer, I've discovered that about God. And I tell you, you can't take that away when you've experienced that. So when you confess the call, it's because the revelation has come and you can't deny what God's telling you and what you're doing and it's so natural. Number five, you continue in the call. There's only two more really quickly. You continue in the call, resilience under pressure. No one should ever resign when they're under pressure. Do you know how many people have resigned roles in churches and all kinds of stuff because they're angry? Or they're mad. And I've never seen them grow spiritually afterwards unless they fix that issue up. And I want to tell you, I'm never... They told me I should have resigned the church when my son Michael hit the wall. You disqualify as a leader. You disqualify as a pastor because of what your son's done. And I was willing to resign. I said, I'm happy to get out of the way. If people can't listen to what I'm saying because of what happened to my son, then I'm happy to get out of the way. But the Holy Spirit said, don't ever, ever hand something over when it's broken Hand it over when it's going great and you don't want to go. And so I made that call and it's been the greatest decision that I've made because now the church is bigger and greater and stronger than it's ever been because I didn't make it about my pain. I made it about his purpose. So musicians, if you could come, please. So we continue in the call through resilience. We celebrate the call, number six. I delight to do your will was the opening scripture today. And number seven, last one, we complete the call. We finish the assignment God has given us. 2 Timothy 4.7, I'm sure your pastors have preached it many times. I've fought the good fight. Hey, guys, life is a fight. Just choose which one you're going to fight. Do you want to fight the wrong fight, a bad fight, or the good fight? I want to fight the good fight. I have finished the race and I've remained faithful. That word finished, I looked it up in the Greek. I thought, what does it mean? And in the Hebrew, it actually means finished. So there you go. I finished. I'm one decision away from becoming a total idiot. I want to finish my race. And I close with this today. There are three evidences of being a disciple of Jesus. Love, fruit and continuance. Love, fruit and continuance. By this shall all men know you're my disciples. By the love you have one for another. As I was praying for you this morning, the Lord said, I'm about to hit the house with an unusual unity. Wow. Because agreement might not be unity. Agreement is something we decide. We're going to live in agreement. Unity is birthed by the Holy Spirit. So you can't create unity. The Holy Spirit does. We preserve it and we look after it. And if you can sense that God is bringing unity to the house in a way like never before, preserve it. Look after it. Tend for it because God has done it. And I want to tell you, you do that. Watch what happens. By this shall all men know you're my disciples if you bear fruit. John 15 verse 8. And that your fruit will what? Remain 
continuance. Love, fruit and continuance are the three evidences of being a Christian. Do you know how many hurt Christians leave church every week? And they just go around this wilderness and they never deal with the issues. Do you know what cancer's done in my life? It's brought all my broken relationships back together. People that were angry with me turned up on my door and repented. I've had three to four months now of repair after repair after repair of broken relationships, even this last week. Guy knocking on the door saying, I need to come and repent because the way I treated you all those years ago. But if I'd taken the law into my own hands and if I'd tried to fight for myself, God would take his hands off. So I let God do the fighting, I do the loving, and I live called. Father, this morning, as we close this part of the meeting, I just pray that more than what I've said, and I've shared a few stories about my journey because I want people to be inspired that when they walk out of here today, they're not uncalled. They're not called to come to church. They're called to be the church. And Father, I pray when we leave this place today that a cup of coffee for someone, just being nice to someone, just a kind word. When we meet someone in the supermarket that's angry at the church and starts to gossip and criticise, give us the wisdom just to pour oil over that, not put more fire onto it. And Lord, help us to be God where we go because we're called. I pray in Jesus' name that you will begin to open the eyes of individuals that belong to this house in such a way that revelation will come like, like never before divine opportunity that will just grab us and think, I'm the church today, I'm the church today. God, I can't describe to these people how I feel after 40 years of serving you. That living called can never take away your joy. Living cold can never take away your peace. Living cold can never take away your presence. And living cold can never take away your purpose. Father, as every head's bowed and every eye closed right now in a state of prayer, I would like Jesus to pray over this church what you showed me this morning. God, I pray for this new era and that it's not just a season, but it's an era. Oh, and this is what I didn't share with you. This new era is going to release a generational anointing. You're called Generation Church. God is going to release a generational anointing where no matter how old you are or how young you are, there's going to be generations holding hands together and there's going to be an unusual cheering one another on generationally where the younger will honour the older and the older will say, come on, you young people, go for it. And I just pray, Father, that a generational anointing, I speak it into this church, will come into the unity of this house. Father, I pray that people won't be in this church out of preference but be here out of conviction. Father, I pray that the Word of God will be so highly valued like it always has been, but this time it'll get attraction like it's never had before. Father, I pray for the opportunity, the discovery, discovery and the definition that you told me this morning. I believe, Lord, they can test it, will happen in this house. I declare multiplication after subtraction in people's personal lives, as I was praying that this morning, I felt God say, some of you have had nothing but subtraction in your personal life. In fact, while every head's bowed, there's people in this room that you think, what else can go wrong? This member of my family sick? Well, tell me about it. My other son, Michael, had a car accident three weeks ago. Two more minutes, he would have been dead. And I thought, oh God, not another one. When I got the phone call, I went white. 
I thought, I've already lost one son. I don't want to lose another. You can imagine how it would make you feel. And yet even in the midst of all that pain, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Lord. And some of you in this room, it's been like family members have died, things have gone wrong, stuff with kids. Or, and you think, God, can we have a break, please? And I want to tell you, if you can find your peace in the storm, God will bring something your way that will relieve you so that you don't have to handle more than you can handle. I stand here today saying to you with all my heart, Jesus is good all the time. I know his presence. I know his peace. I know his purpose. While every head's bowed, you go, Danny, I just need the strength. I just need the peace. I just need to know that he's with me so I can get through this. Will you slip up your hand? I'm going to pray for you this morning. You don't have to come forward or anything. I just need to see where you are. Thank you, God bless you. 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 Father, today I don't need any more signs that people are here with this issue. Wherever we gathered like this, it can happen. But Father, I pray. This may sound strange, Lord, but will you do for my brothers and sisters what you've done for me? Let that peace that passes all understanding. Let your presence in the midst of the storm and let your purpose not be diminished in our lives, but enhanced I pray over this house, Lord, today from subtraction to multiplication. I pray for it today. May momentum hit this house like never before. I thank you for the clean atmosphere. Put this church into fresh movement right now and give them moments. And Father, I look forward to hearing the many stories of what you've done through a people that have surrendered to you. I pray in Jesus' name. If you're not a Christian today, Time is gone. But if you're not a Christian today, and listen, a Christian is just a follower of Christ. A Christian is not someone that just prays a prayer once in their life and that's it, nothing changes. A Christian is a Christ one. I'm not asking you to be a churchian. I'm asking, are you a Christian? And a Christian is simply someone who Christ grabs hold of. And then when you have a revelation of who he is, you follow him. And today you've never really been a follower. You may have been a churchian. You may have even received Jesus by praying a prayer, but you've never followed. A, a wedding day is not a marriage. Asking Jesus to come into your heart might be your wedding day, but you've got to build a marriage after the wedding day. And while every head's bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Danny, I just don't think I'm walking with God right now. I think I did once, but I'm not walking with Jesus. Will you pray that he will grab me so that I can be repositioned? Thank you. God bless you. Hands already gone up. Anybody else today? That says, I need to get God, I need God to grab me, get hold of me. When God grabs you, it's not to slap you. He grabs you with the embrace of love because he's got the best for you. Anybody else today in the room that you'd like me to pray for? Just slip it up high, I'll see it. Father, I thank you for this hand that's gone up today. I just pray, Lord, that you will take this life and Father, reveal to this beautiful person today how much you love them. And may today be a great day as we live called by you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.